Welcome to Granite State Matters, the busy person's way to catch up with what's happening in Concord. Because the extremists are taking over the state house, And what you don't know can hurt you. I'm Steve Marchand. And I'm Terry Harkins. Last podcast, we talked about the radicals who've moved inside New Hampshire because they want to secede from the Union and turn the state into a tiny libertarian utopia. Today we're going to talk about the other forces, outside forces, working to change our state's education system, health care, voting rights, and energy policies. To understand why a tiny state like New Hampshire attracts so much attention from extreme policy advocacy groups, we'll be asking Zandra Rice-Hawkins of Granite State Progress to help us later in the show. But first, let's just look at a couple of examples. Probably the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy is one of the fixtures. Yes, people think of the Josiah Bartlett Center because of its name as being quintessential New Hampshire. But actually, it was founded in 1993 by Edgar and Emily Mead, a policy specialist from the first Bush administration, who worked there when Governor Chris Sununu's father was chief of staff for George H.W. Bush. Their friend, Stephen Farrar, an executive in a Michigan subsidiary of Koch Industries, became one of the chief funders of the Josiah Bartlett Center, along with other extreme right-wing policy groups representing insurance, pharmaceutical, and other industries with heavy lobbying influence. How many people remember that Governor Sununu's father, John H. Sununu, as chief of staff, was the one who convinced President George H.W. Bush not to sign on to an international climate accord back in the 1980s? Yes, Sununu Sr. has been a climate denier his entire life, even though oil companies' own scientists mapped out the consequences of fossil fuel burning 50 years ago. But we'll have more about that in our next podcast, focusing on the energy industry in New Hampshire. Yes, but getting back to the Bartlett Center, so what? It's just a policy group, right? Why is the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy so important? Because it's a conduit for outside influence in our state's government. John H. Sununu chaired the board at first. Now his son, former Senator John E. Sununu, who consults for fossil fuel and other multinationals, has taken over. And its staff hold key positions in younger brother, Governor Chris Sununu's current administration. All right. First, Bartlett President Charlie Arlinghouse left the Bartlett Center to become Chris Sununu's budget director. Then their comm person moved over to lead communications at the Department of Education. And now their new president, Drew Klein, chairs the New Hampshire School Board. And he started out in a right-wing North Carolina think tank before he ran the editorial page of the Union Leader. So that leads us to our second example of outside interests pushing the new school voucher program. The voucher program we talked about in our first Granite State Matters episode, budgeted under $200,000. It's coming in at over $8 million right now, actual cost. So Drew Klein and the Bartlett Center were key in forcing through that program, of course, cheered on by Trump's Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. They basically hid it in the must-pass budget <laughs> to reduce the heat from the thousands of people who were signing in to oppose the unpopular standalone voucher bill. That's right. And then we see the weirdest thing. Americans for Prosperity, a group fighting climate action and trying to keep the government from controlling pharmaceutical costs, began trying to convince New Hampshire residents to take the vouchers. 
Right. They sent postcard mailings to encourage parents to register for $4,600 government vouchers. Americans for Prosperity even canvassed door-to-door in some towns. Just imagine the uproar if a group went around to poor families encouraging them to sign up for thousands of government subsidies. Yeah, some in my town would have a fit. So, Terry, who do you think started Americans for Prosperity? The Koch brothers? Bingo! So I wonder why an organization, founded by a couple of oil magnets from Kansas, cares so much about New Hampshire. Well, in a moment, Zandra Rice-Hawkins of Granite State Progress will enlighten us on that question. So stay tuned to Granite State Matters podcast on Outside Interest, Changing New Hampshire. We are so pleased uh, to have as our guest today, Zandra Rice-Hawkins, uh, who really has done a tremendous array of things in her time here in New Hampshire and has been honored for it uh, on all kinds of issues, including what we're going to talk about today. And and Zandra, in your spare time, you're an elected official as well, so you understand local government as a city councilor. You've done things at the state level. You're the perfect person to have here today. Thanks for being here, Zandra. Thank you for having me. So let's start at the beginning, especially for our listeners who maybe are not familiar with some of your work. How long have you been tracking outside groups that are trying to control the outcomes of public policy in New Hampshire? And uh, how have you done it over the years? Yeah, thank you for the question. People may be familiar with some of our work around uh, Free State Project Watch, which is our program highlighting how the Free State Project is seeking to move 20,000 libertarians to the state uh, to take over uh, state government and dismantle it. Um, American Legislative Exchange Council, which is uh, also known as ALEC, which uh, allows uh, state representatives to sit side by side with corporate special interests and draft legislation that uh, is really intended to benefit the bottom line of those special corporate interests over the um, best interests of everyday granite staters. And then we track right wing groups that we've seen. So over the years, that may have been the Tea Party um, back, you know, during the Obama presidency when they made themselves boisterous at town hall meetings and up to today where we've got some of these groups that are attacking school boards. Our organization uh, tracks all of that. We talk about what those groups are doing, who's behind them, the big money to interest that are helping fund them in the background, and then um, the right wing politicians who are enabling them like we call him complicit Chris Nunu, the governor, and others. So, Zandra, thanks for that. You talked about who they are and what they're doing. Can you give us some specific names of these pop-up groups and what they're doing? So one of the things that is common with a lot of these groups is that um, they do get national funding. Um, the Koch brothers, who many of us know and know of their bad works um, in many different areas, you know, anti Uh, environmental policies, anti-workers' rights policies, anti-public health policies, anti-economic policies. Um, They they act uh, as donors and uh, provide for some of these front groups to do activities. So here in New Hampshire, um, we put out a report a while back about um, how folk funds three different entities that all align and work together to promote um, policies in the state house. You have um, the Josiah Bartlett Center, which is the conservative think tank. Uh, we refer to it as a stink tank. Its job is to act as the, you know, quote unquote, um, expert in the room in advancing these policies. Then they have the American Legislative Exchange Council, with the, which the Koch brothers have been um, funders of in the past. And that is where the legislation is actually 
crafted and introduced. And then you have Americans for Prosperity, which is the most well-known of the co-funded groups that acts as the field operation. We have this really interesting report called Bad Bartlett um, that talks about how the Josiah Bartlett Center has used um, that private special interest funding to choose and promote topics um, around uh, opposing policies uh, that the state was looking at that would help benefit um, our people and our planet, or an alternatively um, to promote policies that would be damaging. You know, Xandra, something that I that you notice when you see these groups doing their work in New Hampshire, it seems like there's two different uh, sets of priorities going on. You have the outside interest that typically are driving to maximize the money that they can get out of it. Uh, and then they are engaging people on the ground here in New Hampshire who are more ideologically passionate about it to create what they think is this grassroots effort, but which the national folks, these outside groups trying to do something in New Hampshire, it's the definition of an astroturf kind of thing. They're in it for a completely different reason. Can you talk a little bit about this dynamic with these two different parts of this effort, sometimes seemingly in it for very different reasons? Oh, it's so fascinating. And and honestly, if you go back to the Tea Party days, you saw a lot of this happening, right? Where people thought they were coming out to this local Tea Party event where lo and behold, it was funded by national organizations like Freedom Works and others who were putting together the resources, the toolkits, were using the local um, state offices of Americans for Prosperity, again, that co-funded entity to help set up these major events and to actually teach people on how to disrupt town halls. And, and they had all these materials at the time um, that we're actually starting to see used in play again, some of these state meetings and school board meetings where their playbook literally said, do not even let them speak, shut them down, yell them down, harass them before they even get a chance to share um, any of the material they've come to present that day. And that's exactly what's happening in our community right now. Now we knew from that process um, about some of those big dollar groups that were behind this. You're starting to see that again. So we have tracking footage of um, Americans for Prosperity and um, Freedom Works partnering on a trading session recently in New Hampshire where they brought community members in and they taught them about how to speak against mass public health policies. And in that training video, um, one of these parents pr um, practices her speech. And then at the end of it, the Freedom Works director coaches her and says, okay, that's good. Here's what's good about it here. Here's where you could improve. And he said, and then when you get to the end, you should talk about how if they don't listen to you, people have the option to go to using school vouchers and to send their kid to a private school that will um, not have those public health guidelines. And so a lot of it's intertwined, right? And you've got these big national special interests that are trying to um, leverage some of the outrage and facilitate that into a whole host of priorities that they've been trying to pass over the long term. What is most dangerous, I think, is the fact that we've got you know, elected officials, politicians right here in New Hampshire who are enabling that behavior and in fact emboldening it. Um, Governor Sununu is a prime example of this. For years, he has worked with members of the Free State Project to advance his priorities. We had during some of the reopen rallies, armed militias that are part, a stated part of the Boogaloo movement, which is organizing for a coming civil war, um, were out on the steps of our state house and the governor didn't do anything about it. His attorney general at the time 
Gordon McDonald, who's now our New Hampshire Supreme Court Chief Justice, didn't do anything about it, even though we have in our state constitution and our state laws ways that we can address having these operating militias outside of state government. And it it is a threat to democracy. It's it's scary. They're using harassment and intimidation, violent rhetoric. And, you know, we've got, um, you know, all that happening. And yet at the same time, the governor is then just a few months after that campaigning with Carla Garricky, who was the former Free State Project president, who was the current president of the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence, which is an offshoot group organizing for secession, who was pictured next to the Boogaloo group armed militia at the state house giving a thumbs up as they are on the state house steps and she ran as a state senate candidate for the republicans in the manchester gosstown area and just a few months after all of this happened and it is well documented our team knows it the governor's team knows it lo and behold there's a picture of governor snunu complicit chris snunu campaigning with her Uh, for her photo ops. This is scary. You know, we've got a lot of lines crossed here. We've got a lot of alt-right influence really getting into um, the fabric of New Hampshire. And it's really incumbent upon all of us to point it out and to make sure it doesn't continue. That's really frightening, Sandra. I remember uh, getting a postcard in the mail with uh, Governor Sununu and my local free state candidates. So I know what you're talking about. But um, so now that we know it's a problem, And uh, what can we all do to reduce the impact of outsiders trying to change the New Hampshire way of life? Now, that's a million dollar question, right? (laughs) (laughs) And it literally is the million dollar question because these outside groups are flooding our campaigns and elections with hundreds of thousands of dollars to get Mm. their candidates into office. And so I think there's a couple of things that communities can do. Um, Being informed and talking about it is certainly one of them. If you have a Free State Project member or an alt-right candidate in your district, you need to talk to your neighbors about it and not be shy about it. These folks have really serious and dangerous intents um, that that are going to destroy democracy as we know it, and we need to be upfront about that. The other thing to know is that the majority of Americans disagree with these democracy disruptions, right? They don't want special interests in the background making decisions for our families, and they don't want people shouting down or changing civil discourse in our country to the point where we can't even have civil conversations about um, the direction of of our state and our nation. So I think that's kind of the first step. Um, The second is we need to organize and we can't just be responding to what's happening. Um, When we have uh, folks come out, you know, we've got a group of people traveling the state right now who are going to school board meetings and protesting diversity, equity, inclusion, protesting, masking policies. And you may have some folks from the community, but there's also a lot of folks from outside of town um, who are coming into your community to do this. We don't need to wait until that happens. We need to be at our school board saying, I want strong public health measures because I care about the safety of my child and your child and the educators and staff in the building. And I think that that is um, how we're going to do this, right? Organizing um, community by community and really standing up and being vocal about what we believe in and providing a space for like-minded individuals to come together because it is really intimidating to go to those um, meetings right now, especially with that harassment and an armed intimidation, unless you know you've got a group of other 
uh, fellow patriots who are willing to be there with you. So people may wonder, what is the long game here? It's really clear when some of these groups get involved in like anti-environmental legislation, right? Um, you know, the Koch brothers, Josiah Bartlett Center, uh, Americans Prosperity have always been against um, regional greenhouse gas initiative, for example. And that makes sense because these are big oil companies that want to continue to profit. Um, what What is the role of some of these organizations when it comes to public health, when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and, uh, and school privatization? And we'd say there's a couple of things going on. Um, and the biggest one probably is the fact that if you don't have an educated, articulate populace who can talk about the issues um, that matter to them that don't have protect consumer protections um, in their healthcare policies, that don't have workers' rights in the workplace, um, that don't have economic justice to be able to put food on the table and a roof over their head, um, they're not going to be able to engage in some of these higher conversations or ideals, right? Because that is a lot of work just to survive in, in those circumstances. And uh, as sad as it is to say, um, some of these individuals who are pushing um, these, um, you know, who are funding uh, these groups and who are pushing these things, they don't want everybody to have the same rights. And they don't want everybody to have upward mobility or economic justice. And I think that our, our nation's come a long way and we need to continue to make that movement and not allow them to slow down the progress that we've made and need to continue to make. All right. Thank you so much, Zandra. Thank you, Zandra. Thanks for having me anytime. And that was Zandra Rice-Hawkins, the founding executive director of Granite State Progress and sort of the state's watchdog, it turns out, in a lot of ways. Uh, so happy to have her here today. Very smart lady. This has been Granite State Matters' discussion on outside interests changing New Hampshire. Our next episode will focus on energy interests inside and outside the state fighting to control whom and how much we pay for energy with little regard for climate impacts. And you can follow our bi-weekly podcast at your favorite podcast provider and share it with friends and neighbors because extremists are taking over the statehouse. And what you don't know can hurt you.